On this episode of Go Chuck Yourself, we're talking Chuck Season 4, Episode 24, Chuck versus the Cliffhanger. Oh my god, Aaron, you gotta pull me up. I'm gonna fall. We gotta record the episode. <laughs> no. Aaron, pull me Never. up! Long live the king! No! <laughs> I'll be the best host now. Chuck Yourself, the number one podcast in some countries discussing NBC's Chuck. 11 years at, well, 11 years? Well, I guess I'm the only host now, so I have to know these things. Jesus, I should have really thought about this. Um, I'm Aaron Arata, your host, and I used to be joined by one Chris Gillespie, but he is no longer here because I killed him. And now, uh, usually Chris would say something here. Who probably say something kind of funny. I'm like, he's kind of the funny one. I'm just like responding. I killed him because I wanted to be the funny one, but I feel like I, I need him. Oh God, what have I done? <sighs> How am I going to talk about season four, episode 24, Chuck versus the cliffhanger? This is a cliffhanger itself. <laughs> what is that sound? What? 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 Where? Why? Where am I? What? What's going on? Like Ghostman Riley, Chris has reappeared from the dead. Aaron, I think your your grief over me has caused me to reappear. You're somehow the it's like grief is what is grief besides love persevering, you know? <laughs> wow, this is really spectacular. I'm so oh, glad to be back. My co-host Chris Gillespie has returned. Thank you. I'm I'm hoping that an all white version of me does not come out and try to attack me at some point. Is that is that a vision reference? Yes, this is all WandaVision. I'm, that's what I'm talking about, Erin. Oh Aaron. my god, okay, I understand. Yes, that's what you're quoting. I was like, that's a nice quote. I heard that recently. Yeah, no, it was, it was WandaVision. That's okay. what all the kids are talking about. Well, I guess by the time this airs, everyone's going to be all Falcon Winter Soldier. But right now, I'm all about WandaVision. Hello, my name is Chris Gillespie. I'm not, in fact, dead. I'm still very much here. And we are talking Chuck versus the Cliffhanger, which is the season four finale. Uh, things are going to get insane. You thought I was dead. Maybe Sarah's dead. Maybe Sarah's going to come back. Maybe, uh, who knows? What? Who knows what's going to happen? We should uh, probably tell them that we are dressed for a wedding. We are. In the spirit of one of our classic, non-audio, go chuck yourself visual gags, Aaron and I have both dressed for Chuck and Sarah's wedding. Uh, I am wearing a suit. And Aaron is wearing a very nice uh, forest green dress. Forest green dress. It's a, a former bridesmaid's dress that I wore mm-hmm. to a wedding previously. I know that you wore that suit to a wedding recently as well. So we're both like actually wearing wedding attire. I, uh, I attended a virtual wedding not too long ago and I was wearing the same outfit. And so I'm ready to attend Chuck and Sarah's virtual wedding, assuming it happens and nothing terrible happens that would bar that from going sure on. I hope not. Um, so I'm I'm ready to do the cha-cha slide, but I'm also ready to carry the casket. Whatever. That's my, my suit can go either way. That's uh, a very versatile outfit. Um, thank you. My, my dress, I would say, is going to be pretty inconvenient if I'm going to have to be like visiting a cemetery. It's a little bit long, so it might get caught in the grass and the dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, I might want to change if I was going to be like a pallbearer type role. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I also might want to put on something black. So I have something available um, if the situation arises, but we're just going to have to make a quick ch- switcheroo if Sarah doesn't make it. Well, hopefully Sarah's not selfish enough to die on us and make you have to go through all that extra work. I do really hope that. So we're ready to celebrate a wedding. I don't think we've never been to attended a wedding together at any point. Same time. Um, no, I don't think so. I haven't seen you in person in I, a very long time, um, but we have never been to a wedding, I guess. So that would be exciting. I'm, I'm hoping that someday we will get to attend a wedding. That would be nice. But for now. But for now, this is what we're doing. Um, I did want to point out, I did want to celebrate while we were in the season four celebration mode or mourning. Not really sure which one it is yet. It's a cliffhanger. But, uh, we did recently uh, reach 10,000 all-time downloads wow, for Go Chuck Yourself. that's amazing. Across the, everything. Um, so it is very, very incredible. It actually, we hit it on my birthday, which was insane. That is amazing. Um, so thank you, everyone. For a very lovely birthday present of 10,000 downloads, which admittedly, in the grand scheme of things, is not a, a large number. But for a uh, podcast where Aaron and I talk about Chuck, it is a massive number, yes. considering that it is roughly 10,000 more downloads than I ever thought we'd get. So um, I'm very so honored and thank you. To all our listeners and <laughs> downloaders, you make all of this worth it. All this dressing up for just one another to talk about an <laughs> episode of television from 10 years ago. Yep. Just normal stuff. So should we hop into it? Yeah, let's hop into the um, so the wedding or um, the funeral. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> the Schrodinger's event. The episode begins with a flashback to five days ago. I guess five days before the previous episode when, as you may remember, Sarah was hit by the Norsemen um, with some sort of... It's kind of unclear how the Norseman works. We'll get into that as the episode progresses. But Sarah is not doing well in the present. But in a flashback to five days ago, Chuck and Sarah wake up together in bed. Both of them are freaking out about the wedding. So they decide to do a dry run so they'll be ready for anything. We cut from this really sweet moment to the hospital. Apparently, unlike the businessman and the scientist in the previous episode, Sarah doesn't die immediately. Apparently, also, they refer to what happened with the Norsemen as poison, which was not really how I understood the Norsemen to work. I guess we could talk more about that as the episode goes on. It's very unclear what exactly the Norseman does. As I understood it, you hear a high-pitched noise, and I thought that, like, exploded your brain. But apparently poison and radiation are related. Um, If we can't figure this out, you better believe that Devin and Ellie aren't really sure what's going on either. Devin says that poison guns aren't in the doctor's handbook. If Sarah's going to survive, they need to figure out how the poison works. Morgan pokes his head into Sarah's hospital room to say that he told all the guests at the rehearsal dinner that Sarah had food poisoning, but she's going to be fine. Then he appeals to Devin, Ellie, and Chuck and says she will be fine, won't she? At this point, Sarah kind of wakes up from the state of unconsciousness she's been in. She greets Chuck and he greets her back. She says he looks worried. She says, don't freak out, and then passes out again. Apparently, Chuck's uh, referring to Sarah as baby was a dry run for what was going to happen in this episode, because he's just saying it every which way. He's like, no, baby, and baby, you're going to be okay. And it's just, it's his nickname now. And it doesn't feel as weird as it felt that first time, but it still feels just, just a bit weird, I would say. 
He tells Sarah that they're going to get married and be together forever, and he promises he'll fix this. He stands up all motivated. He says that he's going to go find the one person who can tell them how to fix the Norsemen. He's going to go get Volkov. Woo! Casey points out that Volkov is in, like, Supermax prison, and it's going to take them a long time to, like, get clearance to go in there. Chuck says, fine, they'll just break in. Once they get to the prison... We, we don't really um, see them breaking in. We just get to the part where they're opening Volkov's cell, but he's not in it. A voice comes over the prison intercom, and Casey knows that voice. It's some sort of CIA guy who found out that they know about Agent X, so he's going to kill them, just like Casey promised. The, the man's name is Decker, and I remember this guy. Not not excited to see him. He's He's kind of like a... A stiff type, I don't know, he's like, he he comes over the TV and tells Chuck to stand down, he says that Chuck is, like, fired from the CIA, and that he's gonna, like, I don't know, that they know about Agent X, they know about these secrets, so he's there to, like, take them down. Um, Chuck is not gonna stand for this, because he's got work to do, so he just goes and smashes that TV. He's like, I'm the intersect, goddammit, and I can take you on. And then him and Casey... Just run out of that prison. And you know things are serious because right now we cut to what would usually be the title credits, but it just says the title. It doesn't play the whole cake. They're not fucking around this episode. Yeah, we don't we don't got time for that shit. No, no. time for cake. We gotta save Sarah. So back in the hospital, Ellie estimates that Sarah has about 12 hours left of life, um, which is pretty stressful. Outside the hospital... We, uh, we learned that last episode we pontificated that maybe um, Beckman doesn't like to talk on the phone. And we uh, this is proven here because instead of just calling on the phone, Beckman just arrives in a big SUV outside the hospital and gives Chuck and Casey her badge so that they can get back into Castle because apparently their access has been revoked. Chuck says he's going to do anything to save Sarah. Decker's transport with Volkov in it is like an hour ahead of Chuck on the highway. So once he gets down into Castle, Chuck says he's going to use something called the Nighthawk, which apparently is a motorcycle that can go about 250 miles an hour. Mary asks if he knows how to ride a motorcycle, and Chuck doesn't need to. He just flashes and hops on the bike and speeds away. Or as my notes say, simply zoom zoom. Mary and Casey navigate from Castle while Chuck zooms along after a semi-truck with Volkov and Decker inside it. As Chuck speeds closer, Inside the truck, Decker explains the whole Agent X thing to Volkov, who doesn't seem to understand what's going on. He just makes fun of the name Hartley Winterbottom. And, um, I mean, you know, if someone told you that your whole identity was a lie, you'd probably uh, react with some confusion. Then Decker puts some sort of sunglasses on Volkov, so he'll go back to being Hartley, I guess. And I have a couple questions here. I feel like getting the intersect in and out of people has been like a point of contention in Chuck thus far and if they could just fix Agent, like if they could turn Volkov back into Hartley all along why was this a problem? (laughs) Just a question. (laughs) I guess I wasn't thinking about it. So they really just needed because the CIA clearly has these glasses, these suppression glasses or removal glasses Mm -hmm. They've had them the entire time, so they really just needed to get the glasses to Volkov and the whole Agent X situation would have been resolved, but... I guess so? No one brought that up for some reason? No, I guess not. It's a little a little confusing. 
Meanwhile, outside of the truck, Chuck tells Casey and his mom to light it up, and a bunch of guns and missiles come out of the bike. Chuck starts shooting at the truck. Inside the truck, Decker's gun goes flying, and he hits the wall and passes out. Then the truck stops. Chuck goes in and grabs Volkov, but Decker chooses this moment to wake up and say it isn't actually Volkov anymore. Not according to my notes, because I'm just going to keep calling him Volkov. I don't know if you start calling him Hartley, but, you know, that's his name. That's... That's how he identifies himself right now. That's how I like to think of him, so... It's Volkov. Decker explains the whole Agent X thing again. I don't <laughs> really know who he's talking to, because everyone here seems to understand what's going on, but he he does. He just likes to, um... I, I like to think that he wants to know for sure that Chuck knows the thing that he's gonna kill him for knowing before he kills him. You know? Yeah, that's, I guess that's fair, he yeah. He wants to confirm. Volkov, for his part, is back in tunnel mode, where he's pretty gentle and nervous about getting on Chuck's motorcycle with him. But Chuck encourages him to do it anyway, and they ride away from Decker, Volkov screaming all the way. Back in L.A., Volkov is upset to have learned that 30 years have passed in his life. He's 30 years older and doesn't have any memory of what's been going on. He asks what he did while he was Volkov and what kind of man he was. Mary kind of hedges about this and is like, well, you are very successful. She talks a little bit about the Agent X program. There's a fun gag where Volkov points to Casey's picture of Reagan and says, is this guy still in charge? And Casey says, God, I wish. Volkov explains a little bit about the science behind the Agent X scenario, how he was assigned a mission and he convinced Steven to let him um, use this Agent X program so he could go deeper into cover he talks about how the idea was to achieve peace through violence via the Norsemen because they could like preemptively um, threaten any dangerous people whose DNA they had. Um, Volkov also explains that he can make the antidote to the apparently poison that Sarah was dosed with. Casey mentions Vivian at this moment and Volkov is like, wait, who is that? He finds out that it's his daughter. He's a little bit alarmed by this, but at this point, Chuck says they don't really have time to waste. He asks Volkov to help him save Sarah, and Volkov says, of course he will. So they give Sarah something called Iridium, which is supposed to act as an antidote, and we are treated to another flashback of Chuck and Sarah's wedding test run. Sarah reads her vows, and they're honestly beautiful. She talks about how Chuck is a gift, and Chuck immediately starts crying. It's truly beautiful, and there's a very romantic moment where after this they kiss. Chuck says he's worried that his vows aren't going to live up to Sarah's, but Sarah assures him that they will be perfect. Back in the present, even though Sarah has been given the antidote, Ellie says that something is wrong. Even though she's a little bit more stable and seems to be doing a little bit better, her temperature is creeping high up again. Volkov doesn't know what to do next, but at this point Mary steps in with um, something that she heard about during her time undercover, Apparently, Volkov was working on something called a lead apron, which Chuck points out is a way to um, deal with radiation poisoning. They guess that this must be an Iridium Part 2, or I guess Iridium Part 6, that they're going to be able to um, use as a stronger version of the antidote. But the only problem is this lead apron is in Moscow, and Sarah only has a day left of life at this point. With Sarah having roughly 24 hours to live, Team Bartowski runs out of the hospital with Casey saying that his friends in the global strike department will give them a lift to Russia. Just as they're exiting the hospital, Decker and his men show up and point their guns at Chuck, which causes Chuck to flash on close quarter combat. Chuck takes down some of the men, but not fast enough. 
So some of the henchmen shoot Chuck with tasers, making him fall to the ground. Decker's team apprehends Chuck as Casey and Mary stand idly by. They don't, they don't really try to stop it. They just kind of like, oh, that sucks for you, man. Getting tased. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back in Sarah's hospital room, Morgan is talking to Sarah, even though she's unconscious. Morgan tells her a story about how Chuck protected him from bullies when they were kids to remind her and himself that Chuck never gives up. In some undisclosed location, which we may or may not find out that is part of Castle, I think it is implied that it's in Castle, um, Decker's men are holding Chuck in an interrogation room. When Decker enters holding a small box, Chuck pleads for just one last mission to save Sarah, but Decker heartlessly explains that Operation Bartowski is over and that the Buy More is up for sale. We then learn that Decker's box contains a pair of the intersect removing glasses that Decker used on Volkov. Chuck begs him not to take the intersect away from him, but Decker won't hear it. Chuck tries to resist the glasses, but he can't, and he cries out in pain as the intersect is removed. This is a thing that happens, and I guess we just kind of have to believe that that's the way it works. But once again, I'm going to ask, because it has to be asked, why can't he close his eyes? (laughs) Well, I thought that's what he was going to do, because there was at some point... He did like the had the close up on the eyeball and it was closed, but it seemed yeah. like it kind of like was forced open somehow. OK, maybe it's just one of those like reflexive things, but I, yeah. I have never been sure. And then because Decker says that it's a painful process, but mm-hmm. Chuck doesn't seem to be in too much pain and Volkov didn't really seem to be in pain. Yeah. But there certainly have been I don't know. Chuck has certainly uploaded and downloaded lots of different uploaded and removed different versions of the intersect over the course of the show and he seems to be fine it's Um, also referred to as a suppression device which i don't know if that's the same as like a intersect taking out device in the main area of castle decker tries to reason with casey i just have to say with decker so do you know are you familiar with the tim heidecker show decker about a secret agent named decker i'm not i i know who tim heidecker is but i'm not familiar with decker it is part of the um, on cinema at the cinema extended universe, which uh, I highly recommend everyone become familiar with because it's <laughs> amazing. Um, and Decker is a very, very funny component of it. He's also a spy in the thing, but he's obviously grossly incompetent and the quality of the program is very bad. Uh-huh. But that's all I was like struggling to keep a straight face during this episode. <laughs> Because I was just picturing Tim Heidecker in his role as Decker. Um, so interesting coincidence on that front. So anyhow, back in Chuck, Decker tries to reason with Casey and asks him to help convince Mary and Chuck to walk away and go into witness protection. Casey doesn't buy it, though, and says that he knows that as soon as the three of them walk away, Decker will kill all of them when they least expect it. Decker is disappointed that Casey doesn't want to do things the easy way. So he takes his gun out of his holster, points it at Casey and says, I don't mind being the bad guy. To which Casey says, neither do I. Hell yeah. And proceeds to flip the massive metal table that they're sitting at over onto Decker while punching out the guards. Casey runs into the armory room and grabs two assault rifles and a bulletproof glass door closes behind him, shielding him from Decker's men's gunfire. As he runs through the halls of Castle, Casey calls Morgan to tell them that their revolution has begun and that Morgan (laughs) needs to take down the CIA agent that is stationed in the hospital with Sarah. Morgan agrees, and Casey proceeds to let Mary, Chuck, and Hartley uh, out of the the holding cell. As they make their moves, Casey explains that he and Mary will stay back to deal with Decker's men while Chuck and Hartley go to Moscow. Chuck tries to explain that he doesn't have the intersect anymore, but Casey don't give a shit and says (laughs) that he's Chuck Bartowski, the second best spy he's ever worked with, and now they're going to go save the first best. 
Hartley is confused by all of this, and Mary explains that he'll need to pretend to be Volokov in order to get past security at Volokov Industries. Upon finding out how evil and despicable Volokov was, Hartley realizes that Vivian must also be evil, uh, which is something that no father wants to hear. I'm no. sure your dad, your dad would be very upset if he heard that you were evil. That I killed you at the beginning of this episode. I think he'd be very disappointed. Yeah, well, he, he does love you like a son, so. Yeah, I know. That's why I, t- that's why I tell myself every night when I go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Back in Sarah's hospital room, Morgan tells Ellie and Devin that they collectively need to neutralize the CIA operative in the hallway. Ellie wants Devin to go punch him out, but Morgan says that they need to be subtle. And so Devin will distract the guard while Morgan takes him out using um, uncertain means to be determined. It's This <laughs> yeah. is a... Uh, a reference they, they're doing the whole magnet thing is a strategy they use in this mm-hmm. which is basically just their decoy morgan was yeah. a magnet um now he wants Devin to be the magnet so now very excited what would the season four finale be without an appearance from the breakout star of the season that's right i'm talking about the air ducks Woo! going into the air ducks Thank God. I was really afraid that we weren't going to get air ducts this episode. When I think of season four, I think of a four like made out of air ducts, you know, like it's, that's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. There's season three, season of Aaron, season four, season of air ducts, which also kind of sounds like Aaron. <laughs> it does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, right. We're wrapping up the season of air ducts. Chuck and Harley are about to escape castle through the very titular air ducts when Casey presents Chuck with a gift. Untraceable new identities. You know, you just had those laying around. Yeah. Don't you have those laying around? I do. I have a couple. I have like four. Wow. You want to share some of those with me? I mean, do you need them? I don't think so. Okay, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give them to you unless you need them, but if you ever need them, give me a call. Oh, okay. I mean, that seems kind of weird. I thought we would have more of like a no questions asked kind of thing and you'd be a little bit more generous. But yeah, I guess if I prove need, then maybe you'll help me out. Okay, fine. I'll send you one. I just, I'm saving them for a rainy day. You're going to be mad if you use them all up just willy nilly. So Casey explains that these are actually ultra rare. So it's actually very weird that Aaron has four of them. Um, So Chuck and Sarah are going to use, they they have two. So Chuck and Sarah are going to use them uh, once Chuck gets the antidote and saves Sarah, because they're going to need to go on the run from the CIA, Chuck realizes that this means he'll never see Mary again. So Chuck and Mary say bye forever, like pretty quickly and not that emotional. And then Chuck scurries up into the the great labyrinth in the sky, which is <laughs> how I view the air ducts. Back in the hospital, Devin approaches the CIA operative and begins speaking Portuguese. As this happens, Morgan walks towards them, also speaking Portuguese, which made me realize that I somehow changed the language settings <laughs> on my DVD <laughs> to Portuguese. I was like, I don't remember this. <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, what is he saying? And then I was like, and then Morgan was speaking in Portuguese. <laughs> oh, okay. I I hit something on VLC Media Player and somehow it became Portuguese. So cool. very weird that there's no other language options on the DVD. It's like English or Portuguese. Okay. <laughs> Nothing against the port the Portuguese. I'm a little Portuguese myself, but <laughs> I, I I didn't know Portuguese is one of the main languages is to have on the DVD. But what do I yes, know? So. Once I put things back into English, I found out that Morgan is actually trying to hype himself up to take out the guard. But Devin sees Morgan struggling, so he decides to punch out the guard himself. 
Devin hides the operative in a nearby room and derides Morgan for not knowing how to attack someone. In Russia, Chuck and Hartley enter Volokov Industries. Chuck has brought back his old mustache and glasses disguise. Hartley is intimidated by Volokov Industries and starts to get cold feet himself when he announces that he doesn't remember the plan. This means that Chuck gets to explain the plan to him and to us again, the viewers at home. Thanks, Chuck. Because <laughs> we're so dumb. Uh, well, to be fair, I think there was a commercial break before this, so maybe they were just refreshing. It's fine. Yeah. I get it. Um, we probably saw Volko- like a commercial for like the new Nintendo game or something, and we're like thinking about that. They just want to make sure that we're back up to speed. Right. Like I'm I'm sitting at home thinking about like Super Mario Galaxy 2 yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. would have been the, the thing. So Hartley is to pretend to be Volkov and Volkov is going to demand to see Vivian. And then when they're headed up in the elevator, uh, Chuck and Hartley are going to sneak off and go to the library, the laboratory where Project Lead Apron is being held. The um, Iridium 6 isotope. Volkov still has his doubts and says that maybe they should just call the whole thing off since neither of them are as sharp as they used to be a mere days ago, which. Seems very cowardly and just like a terrible <laughs> idea. Like Sarah's gonna die. They don't really have a He's choice. He's scared. Oh, sorry for <laughs> sorry for challenging your your hubby. My beloved, my beloved husband. Also, <laughs> I want to point out they're standing in the lobby of this like international arms dealing company for a really long time, and they're surrounded by guards. But none of the guards seem to care that they're just like having a conversation there. Yeah. And that Volkov, like, do they see Volkov? And it's like, oh, it's Volkov. But then they must all know what Chuck looks like because he's probably enemy number one. Yeah. So, like, oh, Volkov's just hanging out with Chuck. But also Volkov's supposed to be in maximum security prison. So what is he even doing there? No one was thought this was strange at all. A lot of questions. Even though Volkov, a.k.a. Hartley, wants to call it quits, uh, Chuck asks him what is going on. Why is he so nervous? And Hartley reveals that he's anxious about meeting Vivian for the first time, the daughter he's never met. Chuck tries to calm him down, but the anxiety is too great for Hartley. So Hartley decides to run away in a very dramatic fashion, leaving Chuck on his own in the middle of Volkov Industries. The receptionist asks if she can help Chuck, and Chuck, after a moment of reflection, decides to take off his disguise and introduce himself for real. He explains that his name is Chuck Bartowski, and he's there to see Vivian Volkov. The receptionist asks what this is regarding, and Chuck says that Vivian wants to kill him. Then we have a declassified scene, courtesy of the old DVD. Decker is standing in a like disheveled part of Castle, like Castle has been like um, is getting dismembered or packed packed away or different stuff Uh like that. So it's like uh, like under construction. Uh, He's waiting for his men to bring Casey and Mary in, uh, which they do. Morgan somehow is crawling around in the air ducts because once again, season four, if a character isn't in an air duct like are they even a real character decker demands to know where chuck uh is and casey tells him that they don't know decker says that he will just kill them instead and morgan waves to casey from the air ducts casey says that he doesn't know what would be worse getting killed by decker or watching morgan grimes save his life this confuses decker just long enough for morgan to drop down from the air ducts and knock decker out in the process morgan squarely on the ground asks where chuck is we cut to a commercial, and when we come back, Chuck enters Vivian's office. Vivian is bemused to see Chuck and wonders what the catch is. Chuck explains that he's all out of ideas, he doesn't have a plan, and he's just there to beg for Sarah's life in the hopes that Vivian hasn't totally succumbed to the dark side. Vivian instructs her henchman to punch Chuck in the stomach before getting up and pointing her gun at Chuck herself. Vivian asks Chuck how she's supposed to believe in him when Chuck has led her on uh, the entire time that she's known him. She says... 
You told me my father was some kind of monster, and now you're trying to tell me he's some kind of hero, and I am so sorry for that. The worst Vivian. No, that was really good. I almost thought she was in the room with me. Okay, so add that to the sarcasm scoreboard again. uh, (laughs) Vivian is saying this, to which we hear Hartley respond, I wouldn't say hero, bloody fool more like. That's right. Hartley appears in the doorway and explains to Vivian how he got involved with the Agent X project. He apologizes to Vivian, but Vivian's not having it. She throws the locket Volkov gave her onto the floor. Hartley picks it up and examines it and recognizes it as his grandmother's, whose name was also Vivian. In fact, she also rode horses and also looked like Vivian. Maybe Vivian's just her grandmother. (laughs) Maybe she is. Her great-grandmother. Chuck appeals to Vivian and says that this proves that she's not inherently evil and not a killer and that she still has time to save Sarah if she gives him the antidote right away. Vivian is not having it, though, and insists that she's too deep into Volokov Industries to ever escape. She seems like she's going to shoot Chuck right then and there, but then Chuck remembers what he has in his pocket. It's a yo-yo. That's right. Chuck uses some good old-fashioned yo-yo tricks to appeal to Vivian's inner child and win her over, and she throws the antidote at him, and that's the end of season four. Thanks for watching, everyone. Thank you. Uh, I've been Erin Arata and letting you know that anything is possible and yo-yos are great. They're very fun. (laughs) Just kidding. All that Chuck has in his pocket are two completely untraceable identities like the ones that Aaron has. uh, And he offers them to Vivian and Hartley. They can start over wherever they want in the world. No strings attached. Hartley asks Chuck how he'll escape the CIA without the identities. And Chuck says that he doesn't know, but it doesn't matter because all that matters is saving Sarah. Vivian seems to heavily consider this, and Hurley adds that if Vivian pulls the trigger and becomes a killer, she'll lose herself forever. He wants to start over with her, but Vivian is silent. What's she going to do? Does she want to start over with him? What's going to happen? In case we forgot, we see that Sarah is uh, in critical condition in the hospital, and Ellie reminds us that Chuck is running out of time. Once again, in case we didn't know that. Then we have another declassified scene where Chuck calls Devin from Vivian's office to tell him that he has secured the antidote. Devin looks out the window from Sarah's room and sees all of Decker's men swarming the hospital. He tells Chuck that he doesn't think Chuck would be able, even be able to make it inside the hospital. Chuck, devastated by this, hangs up and tells Vivian and Hartley that he can't get inside the hospital. Vivian immediately jumps on her phone and tells her assistant to ready the new supersonic jet and to get the president on line one. Chuck asks, the president? And Vivian says, of Russia, I'm calling in a favor. And Chuck smiles. So that kind of helps set the scene for what is going to happen in a few moments. It does. I kind of I kind of like that it's vague in a few moments like that. It, like I like the drama of, that Chuck shows up, but I do mm. um, I do appreciate the explanation of how it all came together. Yeah, I think they were I think it was OK that they cut it because I, mm. I, I do think it adds to the drama. But I was also like, yeah, I guess that that's helpful that they did show that. Yeah. Outside the hospital, Morgan, Mary, and Casey stake out the perimeter in the Crown Vic. They don't know how they're going to be able to get past Decker's army of henchmen when the passenger door opens up and two women enter the car on each side of Morgan. It's the Cat Squad. The Cat Squad? Or more appropriately, the Bridesmaid Squad. Karina and Zondra the Bitch. They're here to help (laughs) Team Bartowski take out Decker's men. We cut to Decker and his men standing in the parking lot, seemingly not doing anything, when somebody pages Decker's walkie-talkie. Can I can I cut in for one second? Yeah. So we learned in the last episode that the cat squad wasn't here because they were um they were part of a coup. Yep, staging a coup, yeah. 
they were staging a coup. Um, then in this episode, they refer to um, that they were um, in Egypt and things took a little bit longer than they thought. Is, is this referring to the Arab Spring? Is this making a joke about that? Because maybe that would have been around now, right? As we learned a couple of episodes ago, Josh Schwartz has insider information about geopolitical conflict in the Middle East. Well, actually, okay, um, I did see that Chris Fedak was the one to write this episode, so we might have been pinpointing the wrong uh, member of the Schwartz and Fedak team. Oh my god. It was Chris all along. He was under our nose the entire time. Wait a second, Josh Schwartz was the magnet. That's what they were doing the magnet on us. They were doing the magnet! Damn it! The whole show is about the magnet, and we didn't realize that they would pull the magnet themselves. I know. Wow. Well, I guess we need to just power through this and see what happens. We cut to Decker and his men standing in the parking lot, seemingly not doing anything when somebody pages Decker's walkie-talkie to notify him that something is approaching by air. We look up and see a man parachuting down from the sky. This man lands gracefully and removes the parachuting gear, and we see that it's Chuck. He says that he has... The antidote, and he needs to get inside the hospital. Decker won't allow it, so Casey pops up around the corner, and then Mary does, and then Karina does, and then Zandra the bitch does, and then Morgan does, and Morgan has a gun, and then Doctor Strange shows up, and he has the army of Asgardian soldiers, and then the Wakandan warriors. Spider-Man's there, and then there's all, like, the Lady Avengers doing the Lady Avengers thing, even though, like, they could have done... She's not alone! Right, and then... Uh, Captain Marvel like gets the gauntlet and passes it to Spider-Man and she says hey Peter Parker and it's kind of cute yes um, I guess Avengers Endgame the biggest movie of all time was lifting from the season finale of Chuck I really think so yeah so Deckard is now outnumbered outgunned and outmanned wow is he outplanned though he's also outplanned yes okay thank you thank you for clarifying Oh, wait a second. No, he's not. Uh, Decker's actually fine. More of his henchmen appear, uh, which means that the extended team Bartowski is now once again outnumbered, outplanned, um, outnumbered and outmanned. Close enough. Thank you. Decker tells Chuck he's disappointed and Chuck is like, we have a move of our own, man. Kara Volkov Industries, a bunch of Russians parachute in, indie music plays, and Decker knows that he has been beaten. Chuck also takes this moment to threaten Decker that if um, if he interferes in any way with giving Sarah the antidote, then Chuck will reveal the uh, truth about Agent X to every um, news agency in America. Decker says, you really are a traitor, and Chuck replies, just for today. The next scene is a nice montage of a combination of Chuck confronting Decker and dealing with all of the hospital things intercut with Chuck and Sarah's practice wedding from a few days ago. As they tie twist-tie wedding rings around one another's fingers, Decker tells Chuck, you're done, and Chuck responds, I quit. So I guess he's done with the CIA now. That's pretty exciting. We've got a really nice and affecting running scene as indie music plays. He's running through the hospital hallways with the antidote, and honestly, I got a little teary from all of this. As we see more of the twist-tie wedding rings, Chuck runs into Sarah's room just in the nick of time, and Ellie administers the antidote. Chuck sits down next to Sarah and pleads with her to wake up. Then there's a commercial break, which is honestly, like, maybe that's the aforementioned cliffhanger, because it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, and we cut to something that I do remember that has vividly stuck in my mind every time I think of Chuck, along with the Sarah wedding dress sequence and Frightened Rabbit. 
is um, we are outside of some L.A. church, and we pan down its marquee sign thing, whatever you call those things, and it says funeral and viewing 3 p.m. Then it pans down and says Bartowski wedding 2 p.m. or whatever. I don't know what time, 4 p.m., whatever time it Mm -hmm. said. And I guess we have to assume that even though she just, like, literally was on death's door, she's fine to get married the next day. It's fine. They're just (laughs) proceeding with everything. I guess, like, if you, I don't know, if you have a near-death experience, maybe, like, you just want to, like, get back to things. Um, But she looks great. She does not look like that, that Thor, whatever, Iridium, just was great. It, It worked wonders for her. I mean, I'm no scientist, but if they kept saying like, oh, the radiation is spreading, I'm like, well, I don't think you can really undo radiation regardless of like, what what did they just put iridium into her? And they're like, oh, now it's fine. Like, now it's fine. I don't think that's how it works. She doesn't even need to take a nap. She just is ready to get married. Science. Also, this is something that I didn't know that they were planning to do. But even though they're getting married in a church, Morgan is officiating the wedding. Yeah, this was not brought up earlier but i mean that's nice i have i mean my big question here is that you know i mean you once drunkenly texted me many years ago to ask if i would one day officiate your wedding so i think the question that everybody wants to know is do you still want me to do that why or why not (laughs) i feel like you brought this up on the um, episode where ellie and devin got married i like talking about it i would love for you to be a part of my wedding whether okay, you so it's are, a no. whether you are the officiant or you are a um, best best person, bride bride's person, um, I think we can talk about closer to the day. We can see how things are shaken out. Um, I would be happy to have you officiate my wedding if you if that is the role that you want. But if you would want a like a lower key role, oh, I'm really okay. thinking of you here. Okay, this I I thought that the uh, I was like, oh, here we go again, just like the opening of the episode. She's gonna let me down, <laughs> but uh, okay, all right, I, whatever. Yeah, I guess we'll have to cross that bridge if we ever encounter it. Okay, so the part of the wedding that we are dropping in on is actually Chuck giving his vows. Apparently, Sarah's already given her lovely, lovely vows, and we're gonna hear what Chuck has been working on this whole time. His vows are basically that words don't cut it, so he will not be saying any vows. <laughs> and this is just like, this is a real uh, screenwriting trick where I completely understand <laughs> that really like summing up Chuck and Sarah's relationship into like a couple sentences is hard. And mm-hmm. truthfully, when you are describing something as intimate and personal as love, maybe words don't cut it. But they already wrote Sarah's vows, and uh, they might as well have given it a go. That's what I have to say there. What Chuck ends up saying is also nice, you know? I don't think it's a total cop-out. Yeah, he says that instead of using words, he's going to prove his feelings to her every day and that she can count on him. So that's, I mean, it's fine. It's its fine. Instead of using words, he's going to use his yo-yo. Yes. Um, Casey is uh, seems to think that this is quite enough. He cries. Morgan also cries. Chuck and Sarah kiss. Then we pan over the cheering audience and we see a familiar curly-haired head, which can only belong to Skip Johnson. There he is. He's at the wedding. He got an invite. As Chuck and Sarah head out of the church into a shower of rice, we get a nice little flashback of all our favorite moments from previous seasons of Chuck and Sarah meeting, kissing, going on dates, whatever. Um, It really just kind of feels like the end of the show, Chuck. 
that is really what it feels like. We're just getting some little flashbacks of things. Um, and honestly, if it ended here, I'd, I'd be okay with this as an ending. But it doesn't end there. Chuck and Sarah get into the limo and... The um, divider comes down to reveal that Morgan is the driver. As they're driving off towards the airport on their honeymoon, the car phone rings. I guess I guess there's a car phone in this limo. That's that's nice. Um, on the other end of the phone is Volkov. I thought he was going to threaten Chuck, but no, he has turned over a new leaf. He is somewhere that looks kind of Mediterranean, and he says that he sent Chuck and Sarah a gift if they'll look under the seat of the limo. They look under the seat, and there's a letter with uh, great, great calligraphy on the outside of the envelope. It looks really beautiful. Chuck looks at it, opens the envelope, sees what's inside, and says, oh boy. Two weeks later, Chuck returns from his honeymoon a changed man. He enters the Bymore and walks up to Jeff and Lester at the Nerd Herd desk. They're a little bit worried because apparently in Chuck's absence, the Bymore has been sold to a new buyer, and the new buyer might be visiting that day. Lester is worried that they're all about to be fired. Chuck listens to this, but he seems to have something up his sleeve. He heads down to Castle and finds that it's completely empty except for a box labeled Bartowski. Inside the box is a pocket protector, his converse, and some other things. Apparently there's also a TV left on the wall, even though uh, Castle was cleaned out of everything else. They did leave one of their big screen TVs. Decker appears on the TV. He starts to tell Chuck about how everything from Fulcrum to the Ring to Shaw was all part of a dastardly plan. By who? We don't know. He says that Chuck is a pawn, and then he hangs up. So I guess that's going to be season five. We don't, we don't know what he was talking about. But um, what, what I like about this episode is it is kind of about how the American government is corrupt. (laughs) The rest of Team Bartowski drops by Castle, and they spend a little bit of time worrying about who could actually be um, playing all of the chess pieces who could be controlling their lives like that. Chuck suggests that they figure it out as a part of going into business for themselves. He says that Volkov gave him a billion dollars, or almost a billion dollars, and him and Sarah used it to buy the Bymore and all of Volkov's resources, so they are planning to start their own freelance spy business. Everybody's pretty excited about this, and Chuck, Sarah, and Casey start to discuss the nuances. Morgan takes the opportunity to look into Chuck's um, box of effects and sees a pair of sunglasses. He thinks that because he's going to be a cool freelance spy, he might as well have some cool freelance spy sunglasses, so he puts them on. And wouldn't you know it, they're actually intersect glasses. Morgan has the uh, psychology and symbolism, all the images flash in front of his head, and he does not close his eyes. In fact, he passes out. Chuck and Sarah rush over to him just as Morgan wakes up. He says, I know Kung Fu. And that's where the season ends. Morgan has the intersect. Chris, what do you think about this? I don't know what I think about it. Um, I think that... So those were the glasses. They weren't the same glasses that removed the intersect from Chuck earlier in the episode. These are glasses that, like, Bryce Larkin used at some point. Did Chuck get the sunglasses? The um, It's unclear, but let's just, um, let's just accept it. Um, yeah, I guess we just have to accept it. Uh, season... Season four finale, um, I think as we move into this later part of the episode, um, I think it's important to note that when this episode was written and produced, they didn't know if there was going to be a season five. Yes. And then the season five was announced a few days after this episode aired. So 
they obviously were swinging for the fences and decided that they wanted to um, try to, because you could rather, you could either do the like, we'll assume that we don't have a season five and we'll yeah. wrap everything up. And if we do mm-hmm. have a season five, we'll figure it out. But mm-hmm. they obviously went with the like, well, let's, we'll will this into existence and yeah. say, this is how we're going to set up season five. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure we'll discuss more um, momentarily about our thoughts about that. Uh, so yeah, the Chuck versus the cliffhanger. Chuck versus the cliffhanger. Huge stinking episode. Huge stinking episode ends on a cliffhanger of its own. Yeah, it's true. Uh, now we have Chuck marry Sarah. <laughs> See what ah, I did there? That's ah, that's it's not Chuck Mary Sarah. It's Chuck Mary Kill, where we take one part of this episode that we'd like to to say our vows to and wed in front of Morgan as the officiant, and another one that we want to kill with thorium or ultrasonic waves or radiation or whatever. However, whatever exactly. It however, it works. Yep. <laughs> that bullshit device. However, it works. <laughs> uh, we're gonna use it. So, Aaron, what would you like to marry? I would like to marry Chuck and Sarah's flashback sequence. I thought that was a very effective device throughout the episode. I love specific instances of it, like the twist tie rings and Sarah's vows. But I think as a device throughout the episode, it was used fairly sparingly, but it was very effective to show, like, to remind us what's at stake. Um, And I thought it was really well written and really well done. What is your Mary? Well, I think to touch upon that, I think the um, because Yvonne is not really in this episode a lot because she's Mm -hmm. in a coma. So the flashback also kind of makes it feel like she's at least somewhat present in it. I agree. Mm -hmm. And I I agree that they were like, well done, like it wasn't too much flashbacks, but it was tasteful and it was um, emotional without necessarily being overly sentimental. So Mm -hmm. I think that was that was good. Um, I would like to marry your husband this week. Timothy Dalton. Wow. I think the show has just thrown so many twists and turns at him as a performer. And I think that he really rose to the occasion at every point. Um, I think his performance of Hartley was authentic and real and impressive um, in that it was kind of different than his Tuttle persona. Like it wasn't Uh, exactly Tuttle, but it was like closer to it. So he basically had to come up with three different characters um, that were all kind of interconnected. And I think he did a really great job. Our old pal Alan Seppenwald said that he thought that any other actor wouldn't have been able to handle this shift in roles as well and would have sunk the episode with them, which I think is pretty valid. Like it didn't seem like he, he I mean, he handled it really well in this episode and it didn't really just distract or detract from anything. Um, so whereas I feel like Linda Hamilton kind of started phoning it in in these later episodes, I feel like mm-hmm. Timothy Dolan keeps showing up and delivering each time. Um, and does a wonderful job servicing the episode and is just a all-around team player. So I agree, and that's why I love him. I, I would be happy to uh, renew your vows with him for uh, for you as the officiant. Thank you, I appreciate that. So uh, from your from your home in Los Angeles, California, you got the Norseman device. What, who, are, who are you targeting? Who or what are you targeting? Okay, well, I have two. Um, I'm going to be targeting two things. We learned that the Norseman is capable of doing this. It can, in fact, take down many people, um, sometimes at once. Even when they have different DNA. <laughs> That's true. Um, I am going to... What if you had a twin who had the same DNA as you? Would that person also die if they were plugged into the Norseman? 
That seems like a big oversight. <laughs> a lot of a lot of innocent twins going down because of the Norsemen. Yep. It's a shame. Um, so I'm going to kill. I did not care for Chuck's vows. I thought that Sarah's were so well done, and I was very excited to see what Chuck was going to do. Um, and I honestly kind of felt like a cop out, both from Chuck the character and from the writers, to just kind of say like, you know, we're just gonna not not do it. Um, mm. I do agree with like I do understand um, that like the ending part of the vows is kind of sweet, but again, just because Sarah's were so nice and because it was kind of hyped up. I thought I thought Chuck would have something kind of unique. I also thought their wedding would be a little bit more tailored to them than just like at a church with their loved ones. I thought it would have been nice if they had like a beach wedding or something. I know Ellie and Devin already did that, but mm. um, I was a little disappointed by that. But since I love the flashback sequence so much, that kind of helped. Um, my other kill, I have very strong negative feelings towards Decker. I feel like... He's kind of generally an asshole, so I don't like him in that regard. But I feel like his character is a lot to introduce in one episode that already has a lot going on. And to come out swinging with this idea of, like, the CIA is now going to be coming after Chuck um, and company because they know about Agent X. And there's this whole, like, sanctioned, like, dark side of the government um, is a lot. And I feel like it deserves its own, like, episode, if not multiple episodes. I feel like it deserves its own arc. I also have the question, Reed Decker, um, why is Chuck okay at the end? Is it just, like, the threat that he said he would release all of the Agent X things? Or was that, like, why is he just free to start his own freelance spy business? Is it just because he has a billion dollars? I don't, I don't know. I don't know why the government isn't coming after him. Um... Mm. I think, like, maybe it's unfair to um, tack all of this onto Decker as a character. Like, there's definitely larger issues at play. But I feel like what Decker represented in this episode was felt very underbaked to me. So I would um, not necessarily kill Decker or kill that, but just, like, I want it on the record that I was not completely satisfied with that element of the episode. Yeah, that makes sense. And didn't they kind of do something like this in the season two finale where they introduced like there was this kind of CIA guy that was like the one because wasn't he the one that shot Bryce Larkin in the season two finale? I just remember there being like something very similar to this where there was like this other kind of vanilla spy guy from the CIA that was the bad guy and was just introduced in that episode and like resolved in that episode as well. So, well, Decker's going to be in season five. I know that. I remember him. Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh. And I feel like he's in more than one episode. But, oh. I mean, obviously they didn't know that when they wrote this. So your point still stands. Yeah. I uh, Just as I said, longtime listeners know that I do not remember anything going into <laughs> season four. I remember even less going into season five. I have no frame of reference for what's going to happen in season five. Aside from the fact that I think there's a bullet train at some point. That's the only thing I remember. Um, I do not want to interrupt your kill at all, but I do, um, since it's relevant now, I do want to say that season five is relatively fresh in my memory because I saw it um, shortly before we started recording this podcast. So I guess two two years ago-ish was when I watched season five. 
Um, I watch it very much later than the rest of the show. So I have, oh, like, okay. it takes place in this weird um, space in my memory. I will also say the first episode I ever saw of Chuck in its entirety, I saw with you at Emerson College, like one, one Friday night. Um, and it was part of season five because that was, was what was airing at the time. So I mm-hmm. also have strong memories of Morgan having the intersect. Um, which is kind of interesting because obviously Morgan does not have the intersect for the majority of the show, but for all mm-hmm. I understood it when I was watching it with you, I was like, oh, this character has had this the whole time. Just just tossing that out there. We'll talk about it more in season five. I'm sure we will. So what's your kill? So I think the transition into the wedding scene was just kind of awkward. Obviously, as you said, you remembered it because you were traumatized yeah. by it. Yeah. Um, I think it was a, I think like objectively, it's like a funny gag, but I felt like yeah. it was just kind of, incongruous with the tone of the rest of the episode Mm -hmm. and it's kind of cruel to fans to imply that sarah who's like a fan favorite is dead after all of this strife in this episode yeah and then be like just kidding she's fine and she's getting married yeah uh it felt kind of rushed and half-baked and i feel like they could have just smoothened like ironed that out a little bit with very little effort because it could have just been like sarah waking up in the hospital and like kind of coming to or her fever going down or just like Not leaving it so cliffhanger going yeah. into that commercial and then yeah. saying, like, maybe she's dead. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that was just kind of a weird little choice on their part that I could have yeah. gone without. So now we have the final scooter scale of the season. Uh, it's pretty crazy. It's crazy. We got a lot of corn dogs on our hands and uh, <laughs> we just what have a few more them? for this season. <laughs> what are we going to do? Aaron, what are you going to do with your corn dogs? So I'm going to give four of my corn dogs to this episode. I had some pretty significant problems with the plot. I think that it was fairly underbaked in places regarding Decker, regarding what exactly the Norseman does, where um, even even some of the Volkov things were very confusing. Um, but it's undeniable that this is a season finale and is really fun in a lot of its own ways. I think that the wedding, the flashbacks, just the general excitement and tone of the episode was very engaging. Um, So it would be very difficult to score this any lower, even though the individual parts of it felt underbaked or confusing in places. So I'm going to go with a four. Um, Mm. I will say I really just like when I'm thinking back on this finale, it is undeniably memorable it is undeniably emotional it is just like a good season finale i would say it's maybe not the best that chuck has ever had i think i've thrown out some fives for finales in the past but i think that this is genuinely a fun episode and you could do a lot worse so there you go what about you well i'm just gonna go ahead and give it five out of five i'm feeling generous today hell yeah i I think it checks off all the boxes. I think you're you're right in saying that there's obviously like some issues, but I'm willing to overlook those for today because it's a joyous occasion because we were celebrating the the holy matrimony between two of these characters. Um, I think it was a better season finale than the would be finale of Chuck versus the Push Mix earlier in the uh-huh. season, which I think is is good. Um, yes, I was very pleased and excited that they brought so many people back for this episode and like everyone mm. was around. Um, even, you know, before the overt parallels to the climax of Avengers Endgame. Uh, this was kind of reminding me of Endgame because I was amped up and invested in feeling like this was going to be a grand finale. Uh-huh. Um, 
for me, the season recaptures its footing and is kind of back up and running for this episode, which I think does a good job of balancing some moments of, you know, almost cheesiness with some really compelling moments, like when Chuck decides to approach Vivian just as a man trying to save his fiance rather than mm-hmm. a spy. Uh, obviously, it's great to see Chuck and Sarah get married finally. It's rewarding as a longtime fan to get to see this. And then them receiving Volkov's fortune is very unexpected and yeah. just a uh, a victory lap of sorts. So I think that, I mean, maybe we'll talk about this in a subsequent episode, but I think that it, I I would be okay with this if this was like the series finale, like if they adjusted mm-hmm. it to make it be like, we're going to be done. I think I probably would have been fine for that because I think the, the final five minutes are a little troubling to me that they would have done that and then still gotten canceled and really left on such a huge cliffhanger, which maybe is part of the joke of saying, you know, we got canceled after this cliffhanger. Um, But part of me just wonders like narratively, if they, if they had just made this it and just said, we're going to provide more resolution. We'll wrap things up and we'll say that like, this is going to be, this is it. I think that would have worked because in a lot of ways, this is kind of like a culmination of everything that Chuck is about because in the episode, Chuck saves Sarah, who is the love of his life and is obviously their relationship is the, you know, big part of the story. Mm -hmm. Um, But he saves her by being himself and not Mm -hmm. relying on the intersect. Mm -hmm. And Chuck saves the day, not by being the like toughest or strongest or using weapons, but just by being vulnerable and, being himself and appealing to Vivian's humanity. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think that you could say that this kind of does could potentially end the arc of the whole show. This would probably be like how you would do it. Um, I would have been very disappointed probably back in 2011 when this aired, if this was the final episode. Mm-hmm. So I, I certainly can't fault for the show for setting up a season five. Cause I, that's what I would have wanted. Yeah. But the fact that, Chuck takes out the biggest baddie in the land. Like Volkov Industries is totally done. They succeed. He gets married to Sarah. They're happy. They win their freedom from the CIA. They become independently wealthy. You know, it it sounds like a good stopping point. And especially if you like resolve other things for other characters and just like left it in a good place. Well, let's see how (laughs) they end the actual series. Let's see how we feel about that finale. I know I will be. I will be interested to see that. I do. I mean, I also wish that like, and maybe this happens in season season five and I just don't remember, but like, I think objectively if Sarah, Chuck and Sarah inherited $877 million, they should be setting up their own kind of like philanthropical organization to like do good with all of that money that Volokov earned doing horrible, horrible things. Like it just kind of didn't really sit well with me that they're like, oh, wow, we just got all of. This is $877 million in what is effectively blood money. Let's just go have fun. Let's go start a yeah. business and buy the yeah. buy more. Like, eh, I don't know. You have some responsibility in that case to try to do undo the damage, but that's just me. Well, on that note, um, what did what did you learn this week? We're going to talk about the lesson of the week, something we learned from this episode. What's yours? Well, I learned kind of two things. When okay. in- adjusted for inflation, Chuck and Sarah's $877 million in 2011 currency would make them certified billionaires in 2021. Wow, move over, Bezos. Yeah, it would be well well over a billion dollars. So way to go, Chuck and Sarah. You weren't technically billionaires before, but now you are. Congratulations. Uh, and then 
I also learned that it probably would really suck to be another guest of Chuck and Sarah's wedding and then find out afterwards that they inherited almost a billion dollars. Because if you bought them something from their registry, like if you bought them a toaster oven or like towels or something else as a wedding present, and then they're like, hey, good news. We just got a billion dollars. Like, cool. Give me my toaster back. All right. Good to know. I will um, not inform you if after my wedding that you are officiating, um, I get thousand or a, a billion dollars not a thousand I'll, a thousand and five i'll tell you that you t- i mean yeah if you want to <laughs> that's yeah that's so, fine what i learned is that if you uh give up your old identity and get a new one and just go on the run you still get to keep all your old money and assets and give them to whoever you want <laughs> something to keep in mind but he must have saved some of his money because it did look like he was in the Mediterranean, which presumably was probably going to cost him some money. So, yeah. I've, I've never gone on the run, um, even though I have these four identities. I've never used them, so I don't know exactly how it works. I would just imagine that if you had a billion dollars um, to your name, it would be attached to you in some regard. But maybe he has offshore accounts and he can just kind of like wander it. I don't know. I don't know what happens. So they'll have to go check in with the First Bank of Evil, I guess, you know? I guess so. So that's what I learned this week. And that is season four finale, Chuck versus the Cliffhanger. We did it. The longest season of Chuck in the books. Incredible. Wow. What a wild journey. And it doesn't end there. That's right. We're going to be coming back soon for for more episodes, recapping and uh, uh, not recapping season four, but with our big picture thoughts about season four summing it up overall and uh maybe we will also be doing a discussion of the dvd bonus features everyone's favorite end of season tradition here at go check self uh so stay tuned for that we're glad that we uh were sat at the same table as you to chuck and sarah's wedding so i'm hoping that we didn't talk your ear off too much but uh now it is time to head home for the evening and uh have a uh designated driver because uh, if you're you shouldn't drive drunk, and so uh, everyone get Not home safely. The first time we've made that joke from this wedding. Uh, we will see you soon. My name is Chris Gillespie, reminding you that food is sexy. My name is Erin Arado, reminding you that love is real and anything is possible. And we will see you soon. Da 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 da. Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Go Check Yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.